Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. Dial 678-ESOG now for a solution to your foundation and waterproofing problems. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. So Georgia gets its turn at SEC Media Days today, coming up throughout our show. Now, this is a little bit of a different kind of show for us because, as I was telling our video audience a little earlier, you know, we are on video for a good long time in the morning, and prior to, like, the show starting, and then once the show is done, we have a thing called our R.S. Andrews Cooldown. You know, for the most part, we're fairly loose during all of that. You know, I'm just sort of reading comments and pretty relaxed. In the boundaries of the show, we do try to keep it kind of, believe it or not, we have some standards. We try to keep it kind of tight in terms of how we present content. But there are occasionally a couple of moments during the year, and that's not quite as easy to do because we have things unfolding while we're on the air. Today, we anticipate being one of those days with SEC Media Days. We're going to watch some of that over the course of our time together here today. And then tomorrow, we'll come back. And some of the audio of the video that you kind of maybe watch or hear today, we'll present some of that on the air. It takes me a little time to uh, kind of turn some of that around. So we'll do a lot of that tomorrow, but react to some of it live in the moment here while we're on the air today. Does that make sense? Hopefully it does. And uh, that's all on the way over the course of the next few minutes. But even though this is Tuesday and Georgia's day at SEC Media Day is actually today, Georgia was a pretty hot topic at SEC Media Days yesterday there as well, at least in a couple of different instances. And I want to start with one of those right now because I think when you really kind of pause on this and reflect on it, I think it gives you a pretty interesting snapshot of kind of where things are with Georgia right now. LSU coach Brian Kelly, who, to be honest with you, I thought that Kelly had a pretty good day at Media Days yesterday. I thought he presented himself very well. I, I thought that uh, Kelly... And we had said this, I think, going into the day, you know, like right now we know who like the two top dogs in this league are. It's Kirby Smart because he's the current best coach. And it's Nick Saban because he is the sort of GOAT status, long time, long reigning best coach. When those two guys walk in the room, everything just sort of feels a little bit different. There's a celebrity vibe there. There's a buzz in the air, kind of a palpable sense of um, just the the atmosphere in the room changes when coaches of that stature kind of walk in the room. If you've ever been to an SEC media days, you know what I'm talking about. And in terms of how smart and 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 Saban probably are when they're in a room like that, there are very few other people who kind of you know come anywhere close to creating that kind of energy when they walk into the room. All SEC coaches have their fans. All SEC coaches are the kind of people that that are going to draw some attention, of course, but there's a huge gap between the top dogs, no pun intended, and that sort of next group. And there's been a little bit of a, I would say, you know, competition to sort of decide who is the best of the rest. You know, who is the guy that sort of stands tallest among the others that are not in that very top tier, the kind of long range success of Alabama, the short term near you know term dominance of Georgia. Who is next on top of all of that? I thought that yesterday, Brian Kelly, if you watch this on the SEC Network, you maybe you agree. I thought that Brian Kelly sort of really did a pretty good job of demonstrating that he may be the next biggest guy in this conference here right now. You know, success at Notre Dame. Actually, if you look at the list of like active coaches and wins, you'd be surprised to see, you know, just, you know, how prolific of a career that Kelly's really had. Uh, you know, been to the college football playoff a couple of times, obviously had no chance of winning a national title at Notre Dame because of the kind of talent you acquire there compared to what you have at the very best of the SEC. And frankly, that's why he came to LSU and he had a chance to speak yesterday. And I thought that Kelly 
looked like a coach who was ready to compete and try to join the top tier of this league uh, eventually. But in the midst of a moment in a day in which Kelly kind of projected himself pretty well, I thought served his interests pretty well. He was also incredibly candid as well about one particular aspect, which is right now, this is an LSU team that beat Alabama a year ago, but had to fight like heck just to even be on the same field with Georgia and ultimately lost that game in the SEC championship by 20 points. And in the midst of all of that, Kelly was more than happy to acknowledge that there is a pretty sizable gap between his team LSU and the reigning two-time national champions, Georgia, that's not likely to go away here this season. This is incredibly interesting from Brian Kelly. I believe it's honest. This is what he said yesterday at SEC Media Days. I know that based upon how we've recruited and how we'll continue to recruit um, that we'll have um, a football roster that that will be able to compete against Georgia is that right now no it's not but if we continue to do what we're doing we're going to have a roster that can compete against Georgia and then it's just a matter of getting it done on, on the on the playing field so everybody then can assess they've closed the gap I want you to think about this for a moment and even if you prescribe to the, uh, you know, kind of, I guess the notion that that there's always a certain amount of sandbagging that might go on in an SEC Media Days event like this, that, that, that coaches are going to talk up their opponents and, and maybe kind of try to, try to level the expectations for their own program a, a bit. Even if we understand that's something that coaches are going to do, there is still an aspect of what Brian Kelly said there, said there that is, I think, truly remarkable because – You've heard me say before, I believe that LSU is going to be a college football playoff team here this year. And while that might be, you know, a slight outlier in comparison to the predominant opinion, the prevailing, I think, wisdom on LSU is there's somewhere around a kind of a top five preseason team. I don't think you'll see anyone who has them outside the top 10. So you've got some people who think maybe bottom part of the top 10, large number of people who think somewhere in the middle of the top 10, you know, people like me willing to make the case for them as maybe a second team from the SEC to make the college football playoffs somewhere in that top four. That's the kind of team that Brian Kelly says he has at LSU, but he also acknowledges even with that talent, even with the success of a year ago, the possibility for success this year, there is still a measurable gap on paper between our team and what Georgia is right now. And who could say that Kelly's wrong about that? In fact, most of us would say that's right. That, yeah, LSU may be really very good. LSU may be better than almost everybody else in the country. But they were still 20 points worse than Georgia season ago. And there's no obvious reason why that gap's going to close here this year there as well. That that's kind of where Georgia stands right now on top of the college football world. And if you're a UGA fan, there's an element of, it's just sort of nice to hear that. It's just sort of nice to sort of bask in that. It's just sort of nice to kind of look around and say, yeah, that's right. That's how good we are. And if that's all you want to do with a clip like that, with a, with a comment, a quote like that from Brian Kelly, then that's maybe enough. Hey, nice to see somebody <laughs> after an offseason in which the Reese Davises and the Kirk Herbstreets and the National Riders and whatever, you know, Ryan Day and his whining, after everybody seems really hesitant to want to give Georgia the full credit they deserve for whatever reason, the fact that Brian Kelly did, for some Georgia fans, it's just sort of enough. All right, you know, Kelly, uh, he may be dumb, but he ain't stupid. At least he knows who the best team in college football is. Uh, he recognizes that that's Georgia, and he's telling everybody in his family about that. So from that standpoint, that may be enough for some Georgia fans. But if you want to take that one step further, I think it kind of speaks to something we talked about, I believe it was on the show last week, that if you look at what, what exists for Georgia right now, to me, 
it's a real opportunity to build on what Kelly acknowledges there. Kelly says, hey, you know, we beat Alabama a year ago. We believe we can do it again. We are taking that step towards eventually being a team on par with Georgia right now. There's a little bit of a, a measurable gap between us and the dogs. So if you're UGA, your opportunity this year is to make sure that that built-in advantage that you seemingly have over a team like LSU, that built-in advantage you seemingly have over a team like Alabama. You didn't play them a year ago because Alabama didn't earn the right to play you. That's the gap between between Georgia and Alabama that exists right now. The built-in gap that seemingly, seemingly exists between Georgia and everybody, the opportunity awaiting Georgia this year is the opportunity to make sure that remains true. Make sure you kind of hold on to that. Because here's what we know about the success that Georgia's enjoying. A lot of us have been around the block long enough to know it is not going to last forever. That, that you know, people, a lot of Georgia fans will sometimes say, hey, we're living in the good old days right now. The reason why Georgia fans will say that, the reason why Georgia fans will know that is because they've experienced so many years, and in some cases, so many decades of wanting to get to the top of college football and for whatever reason, not quite getting there. And now you're on top in college football. And the thing you know, because you've seen the history of the sport play out before your eyes over the course of your lifetime is it will not last forever. But just because it will not last forever doesn't mean it cannot last longer. Because the decisions that Georgia makes this year, the way in which it approaches this upcoming season, the commitment it has to, as we say around here, go for three in 23, boy, that's the kind of thing that if you could finish this season, the one we're about to have, with the same gap that existed between Georgia and everybody else at the end of last season, the same gap that a guy like Brian Kelly is acknowledging there, then all of a sudden you at least have to open your mind to the possibility that an entire threshold of achievement has been unlocked that otherwise just might not exist i mean and it's not likely to happen of course but 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 it's at least a possibility of if georgia really could go for three in 23 and if a guy like brian kelly who says right now the gap between georgia and us even though we're maybe better than almost everybody else is still pretty prodigious what does that mean for the future here that 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 all of a sudden you know the idea that georgia can win not just three national championships maybe a lot more than that, that that you could go on a run that is maybe you know matching what Nick Saban has done or maybe unlike anything the sport's ever seen it's at least a possibility and if somehow some way that doesn't happen for whatever reason because college football is still hard the games are hard to predict you can you can easily project who should be number one but actually predicting who will be number one we have a history of getting that wrong things that seem obvious and true at the beginning of the season over the course of 12 or 15 games some of that obviousness just sort of fades a bit right and, and, and the sport becomes murkier and, and more unclear and unpredictable things happen over the course of a 12 or a 15 game season and that could happen for Georgia here there as well you got to be on guard for that and if somehow Georgia does trip up if somehow Georgia were to lose in the regular season this year not make the college football playoff for whatever reason or you get there and you somehow come up short because these things you know can't happen then all of a sudden next year you're talking about a situation where when a Brian Kelly steps up and talks during SEC media days, maybe then he does feel like, okay, well, last year we were way behind Georgia, but now we're kind of equal. Now we've sort of caught up to him. Now we're kind of fighting as as equals. Now it's sort of a fair fight. I like my roster that's in place here. LSU obviously has a history of great recruiting. He might be able to say, now we sort of feel like we're ready to take on anybody who comes our way. And it may not just be LSU who says that. You know, you know, Michigan, we've talked about them before, the idea of the, the beat Georgia portions of practices that they're supposedly going to be going through, right? Right now, that seems like a little bit of a pipe dream. Uh, Michigan lost in blowout fashion 
to Georgia the last time they played in 2021. Uh, the team that beat Michigan a year ago got beat by Georgia, the most embarrassing national championship game in the history of the sport. But if somehow Georgia gives some, back some of the edge that it has here this year, uh, you sort of wonder if all of a sudden now the the perceived gap between the Georgia and the Michigan, does some of that disappear? Does all of it disappear based on how this season plays out? To say nothing of Ohio State that wants to whine and wants to complain and wants to celebrate the fact they lost to Georgia close. You know, if you're if you're a Georgia, you want to establish something in 2023 that shows them the close loss in 2022 to end the 2022 season is as close as the Buckeyes are ever going to get. That's sort of what Georgia's playing for, because after all, in this college football playoff era, we've seen teams win two national championships. Clemson did. Clemson won in 2016. Clemson came back and won again in 2018. They had their chance to win a third, could have won one in 2015, maybe could have won one in 2019 or, or 2020. And for whatever reason, they just sort of came up short. And now you're talking about a Clemson team that doesn't quite feel as playoff ready as they once were. And you're left to conclude, will they ever get back there again? There is something to be said for making the most of the opportunity that's in front of you. Brian Kelly looking out right now and saying, right now, there is just a gap. We are not quite to where Georgia is from a roster standpoint. We are just not quite where to where this UGA team is. And if you saw the SEC championship game a year ago, you obviously saw that with your own eyes. And if you're Georgia, you're playing for the opportunity right now here this season to make sure that feels just as true at the end of the 2023 season as it does to start it. Now, let me shift gears and talk about something different just for a moment, because that was not the only way in which Georgia came up yesterday at SEC Media Days. I also thought this was interesting when Eli Drinkwitz stepped up to the podium when he talked a bit yesterday. One of the names that came up uh, was the transfer wide receiver, Dominic Lovett, who's obviously a Georgian. Now, here's what we know. We know that Lovett, uh, and if you're watching a video, you see him there on your screen from G-Day. We know that Lovett was one of the most prolific receivers in the entire SEC a, a season ago. When you talk about bringing him in along with the Ra-Ra Thomas, who was also the leading receiver at Mississippi State, compared to and in addition to the returners at Georgia, guys like Ladd McConkey and Marcus Rosemey Jackson, if you want to count Brock Bowers as a pass catcher, essentially, essentially functions as a wide receiver you're talking about as prolific a group of receivers and production returning for georgia or coming to georgia after having played in the sec last year that we've ever seen ug have in the kirby smart era perhaps even you know before that this is a wide receiver group this year that legitimately i believe has a chance to be special a lot of georgia fans feel the same way and the love it part of this remains so intriguing because we know what he did for uh missouri a year ago we also know that eli drinkwitz kind of likes activating that slot receiver and getting good stuff out of a guy like that and you're left to let your mind wander of okay well a guy like uh, that love it who did big things and what you know other than playing georgia close was kind of a bad team a year ago what could a guy like that do at a place like georgia with other really impressive weapons around him because at Missouri probably all love it really had going for him is the fact that he had a chance to play next to Luther Burden and actually love it a better year last season than Burden did but that's really the only other offensive weapon I think that uh, Missouri had even Missouri fans himself would probably say that but at a place like Georgia you've got all these other offensive weapons and does that mean that Dominic Lovett's numbers go down because he's having to share the spotlight with so many other good players or does that mean his effectiveness actually goes up because all of a sudden you're not able to key on him if you're an opposing defense you're having to worry about all these other guys that could potentially touch the football and all of a sudden Lovett on a better team becomes an even more dangerous weapon because of the fact that he's just playing as a part of an overall deeper roster admittedly we didn't see a lot of that at, at uh, G-Day you know G-Day is kind of our glimpse at what Georgia might look like for the upcoming season and 
you know, my sort of, I guess, tinfoil hat conspiracy theory is, and I say this half kiddingly, although maybe half seriously, is that I almost wonder if George intentionally concealed Lovett on Gita. They didn't throw to him a lot. They threw the ball around a lot of people. You didn't get Lovett involved very much because I don't think Georgia necessarily wanted to put on display exactly what it potentially has in Lovett. And I don't think that Georgia necessarily wants teams to see how it could use Lovett this year. After all, Georgia's been a team that's been pretty content in the past because of the depth of the position to go two tight ends. And, you know, Darnell Washington's not there anymore. I still think Georgia will go two tight end plenty here for this upcoming season if I had to guess but if you're playing two tight ends less that means you're using that slot receiver a little bit more and that's where a guy like Lovett you know could potentially really shine and kind of goes back to Drinkwitz who was at SEC media days yesterday and he talked about you know some kind of nice things about about Lovett who they'll not have to play this year final year for Georgia battling Missouri as as foes within the SEC East but uh, Drinkwitz kind of took the classy route on talking about uh uh dominic lovett who's now at george let me read this quote i don't have the audio for you on this let me just read the quote you can read more about this at dognation.com drink with saying yeah there's no replacing dominic lovett dominic lovett is his own player and his own unique characteristics and competitive spirit and we wish him the best in his new opportunity so kind of a high rose high road sort of classy take there from Drinkwitz of all the things that he says there I think the two things are sort of interestingly true. First of all, for for Drinkwitz as a coach, the idea of trying to replace Love, it is not an easy thing for Missouri. This guy had about 900 yards receiving a year ago. Very, very uh, explosive year. And seeing how Drinkwitz, who's supposed to be an offensive-minded guy, how he does replace a guy like Love, it's productivity. is going to be a big part of the story there in Como here this year. But the other thing mentioned is the idea that Lovett's got a competitive spirit. And ultimately, this is the thing that's going to draw certain players towards Georgia. It's like you can put up big numbers at places like Missouri. You can be the BMOC, the big man on campus, and have everybody kind of, you know, uh, you know, kind of coming your way. Or you can go to a place like Georgia. Maybe you get slightly less numbers. Maybe you have to share the, the, the glory and the football a lot more than you did at your old school. But you can be a part of a lot more winning. And it seems like for a certain handful of players, the idea to satisfy that competitive appetite that's the thing that draws them to a place like Georgia. And that could be the thing that's very fun for someone like Dominic Lovett here this year, who's put up the big numbers, who's gotten the attention as un- I think unquestionably the best player on his offense a year ago, but now wants to be a part of a, of a winning culture here at UGA and fit in to kind of an ensemble cast here and see how he can contribute. I think it's really exciting to think what all of this might be. And I don't know how much Kirby Smart says about Dominic Lovett today. As I said before, I think there's a certain extent to which George has been kind of content to keep a lot of this sort of new weapon under wraps here a little bit, but it won't stay a secret forever. Pretty soon, as soon as the season arrives, Georgia may find out that at least one, if not both, of its transfer wide receivers are very valuable weapons for the upcoming season. My name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. We are happy to have you with us, no matter how you get to us today, live on video, 945 for our first and 15, dognation.com, Dog Nation app, 10 a.m. after that, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, with the radio at noon, on Athens Sports Radio 96 The Ref, we are available as a podcast, wherever you find them, including the world-famous dognation.com, and all kinds of ways for you to catch up with our show, whichever way you choose to use. We're just glad you do that. Glad you are a part of uh, what we do around here. Uh, so much, uh, so much fun 
that uh, uh, that you're a part of all of what's going on here. Appreciate that. And we appreciate our friends at Engineered Solutions of Georgia for making it all possible. Of course, ESOG, foundation, waterproofing issues. Those are the things that you think about when you think about Engineered Solutions of Georgia. And let's face it, if you're a homeowner, you know this. Those are two of the most significant issues you face. You know, we think about a lot of college football conversation around here, big rivals. You got to beat this team, you got to beat that team. Uh, those, those teams want to bring destruction to you. Well, guess what? Uh, foundation issues, waterproofing issues, they could bring destruction to you there as well if you're not careful. And they can do that to one of your most valuable assets of all. Uh, so that is one of those things you got to be very, very well aware of. And that's why you want to have engineered solutions on the Georgia, uh, engineered solutions of Georgia on the job for you. And you know, the signs here, the water stuff is easy, right? I mean, if water is where it ain't supposed to be bad grammar, intentional, that's a signal. Pick up the phone and call and call engineered solutions of Georgia. Uh, you see it in your garage after it rains down in the crawl space. If that's too muddy. If that's too damp or like the basement stuff. I mean, sometimes it's just flat out standing water, right? Or, or, or it's at least puddles and things like that, because sometimes water has a habit of creeping in where it's not supposed to be. If you see that the solution to that problem is a solutions-based company like Engineered Solutions of George. And the same thing for the foundation stuff there as well. And this can be easy to overlook at first, although once you see the warning signs, you won't be able to miss them at that point in time. It's the cracks in the walls, especially those sort of horizontal cracks, kind of the 45-degree angle type stuff, or the sort of stair-step cracks that you sometimes see in the brick. Y'all, get that scene about uh engineered solutions of georgia is a solutions based company they've got an entire team of engineers on staff there is no one else in our marketplace that has the same kind of resources devoted to your problems than that like our friends at esog they've also got great opportunities for you right now including a fully transferable triple protection warranty on materials installation and design they're proud partners of uga make some fun to do business with longtime friends of ours here on dog nation daily you know how grateful i am to them for that and grateful to all of you who picked up the phone and dialed them when you needed them 678-ESOG now that's the phone number 678-ESOG now that is the uh, number for engineered solutions of georgia make sure you call them today all right we told you this a moment ago we were going to be uh in the midst of kind of a, a little bit looser format than we typically are because we know that georgia is at sec media days right now we have an example of that here in a moment i've got some breaking news actually let me let me just go ahead and do this we'll, we'll, we'll jump into this now let's go into a, around the doghouse here uh right now on our program here today we'll go ahead and dive into uh the around the doghouse part of all of this i'll give you an update in a moment too on the big contest we're running right now let me go ahead and dive into this news i want to give credit to one of our commenters who had this like a month ago <laughs> and i talked about this yesterday so i uh you know i don't uh it's always tricky about which rumors you kind of get into which rumors you don't but uh we had a comment the other day like this has been like three weeks a month ago who had kind of called his shot on this and turns out that he was truthful story mike griffith at dognation.com this just breaking here a moment ago that kirby smart has announced that transfer Dion smoke buoy is not going to return to the team uh here for the upcoming season here's the quote from smart smoke is no longer with our team it's been that way for a while we kind of mutually agreed to part ways and we wish him nothing but the best um 
uh, he goes on to say another quote here from Kirby Smart. This you can read the full story, DogNation.com. It's and I'm sorry I don't have this on the screen for you, but this just came out a moment ago. It's very disappointing that his stay was short, but it was a decision that was made by both parties. And like I said, we wish him nothing but the best. He's from the hometown uh, where I'm from. I'll be talking about Bainbridge, Georgia. We know a lot of people back there. It was a decision that was made. So this story coming out at DogNation.com, the new look DogNation.com. You can go there. You can read that. You can find out more about that there. Smoke Bowie no longer with the team. There had been some rumors about this before. This had been discussed in our comment section four weeks ago, a month ago. Uh, somebody kind of had this in, in there. So there had been some chatter sort of about that. And here's what I'll tell you about this. Do I think this is a gamble worth taking? Totally do. Totally do. Um, I think that Smoke Bowie is a pretty good talent. Um, I think that when you go into the transfer portal for a player, you are acknowledging some risk for, you know, kind of bringing him into your roster. Because let's sort of acknowledge something that if things were perfect with the player, perfect with the situation, the player would not be transferring. Can we just acknowledge that? That doesn't make transferring bad, but it does make the situation imperfect. Otherwise, the player would have no interest in leaving his his other school. And you know, when when Georgia went down the road of Dion Bowie after having been at Texas A&M, there's some chatter about what A&M was a year ago, the locker room culture there with that program. There were some questions being asked of, ooh, if you're Georgia, are you sure that you want to go down this road? Are you sure you want to do this? Are you sure you want to bring him in to your culture here? And after essentially a few weeks <laughs> on the team, that's apparently not worked out. My answer to this is, I don't know if y'all agree with this or not, but this is I'm fairly confident this is the right way to look at this. My answer to this is just sort of a shrug. Oh, well, you tried it. Didn't quite work out. Because when your overall culture is strong enough, and I believe that George's is, then you you can try something. You can see how it works. You can't have – there's a certain tipping point with your roster where if you've got too many guys, and that I'm guessing is somewhere around you know, 10 to 15 percent, something like that. If you've got too many guys who are sort of one foot in, one foot out the door, then you can't build a team, right? You can't develop the connective tissue that Kirby Smart wants to have. You can't do that. Um, you know, if you've got a certain percentage of your roster who's sort of looking around for, I don't even know what, in the case of Bowie, I'm not sure what he wants uh, for his next chapter here. But if you've got a certain percentage of your roster who's sort of one foot in, one foot out, you can't build a team that way. You just can't. But can you try to take a risk on this guy, take a risk on that guy? And if it doesn't work out, can you sort of shake that off and move on? I think you probably can. That's what George would try with a Reed Gilbert. We'd say that. And the Gilbert situation, I'm assuming, is different than the Bowie situation. But once again, it's worth taking the risk on a talented player uh, because the actual risk itself is pretty small. George would try with Gilbert. Didn't quite work out. Uh, it was always tempting because of how obviously talented he was. Gilbert was one of the best high school players I've probably ever seen, to be honest with him. He's really, really a very good high school player. He's had a hard time because of some personal issues that he's dealt with. We've covered this in great detail. He's had a hard time kind of finding a way to uh, to sort of live up to that potential at the college level, but it was worth trying and it didn't quite work out. I think both parties shook hands and said we gave it our best shot and Gilbert's moved on. We wish him well there at Nebraska completely different situation because all situations are unique to their own specific circumstances completely different situation with Dion Bowie you gave that a shot it is clearly not worked out because pretty uh, unusual to have a guy leave so quickly after having really kind of just gotten here but a talented player 
uh, always kind of intriguing because he was from Bainbridge, Kirby Smart's hometown. That made Dion somewhat popular as a recruit just because of the the symmetry of all that. People kind of like the idea of that. And he's once again obviously a very talented guy. We'd said before on here that. Uh, if he'd been on this roster, we thought he'd been competitive for playing time. And potentially, this is a guy you could play at a number of different positions. I mean, Bowie, talented enough. You could have tried him here. You could have tried him there. You could have tried him a lot of different places in that defensive secondary. But ultimately, just didn't quite work out. And honestly, I just think the the proper response to all this is uh, kind of a shrug. Oh, well, uh, worth a shot. Uh, you know, certainly the, uh, the, the, the preseason expectations for Georgia don't change because of Dion Bowie's uh, departure here right now. Uh, that's just not the way that it is. And in terms of some sort of reputational risk here of does it make Georgia look bad the guy like this came in and didn't stay very long I don't think so I don't I don't I don't think so at all I don't think it matters I don't think it matters really whatsoever that I mean the one thing that that has been really interesting to me about Kirby Smart because you know Kirby Smart Kirby Smart I would say is a pretty rigid guy right you know this is a guy that football should be played this way our standard of behavior needs to be this way there's a certain like like you know unwavering commitment that Kirby Smart has to a few ideals but in this new age in which we live in Kirby Smart I think has forced to become a little bit more practical I'll give you an example of this the other day we had a quote from Kirby and I forget where he said it I think it may have been at SEC spring meetings I honestly don't remember but he said something effect of when we bring in guys out of high school our goal is to keep 70 percent of them that to me is a pretty interesting admission from Kirby Smart that on a best case scenario Georgia over the course of the long haul you know doesn't have much of a chance of keeping more than two out of every three players they sign out of high school that the best case scenario is to do slightly better than that all the guys we sign we hope to keep two out of every three that one out of every three almost is going to somehow fall through the cracks go somewhere else whatever else we're not gonna be able to keep that player that's a pretty practical uh reality that Kirby Smart has seemed to confront. He seems to be confronting that openly and with open eyes and willing to do that. So if there's a practical reality when it comes to the players you recruit out of high school, you can't keep them all. If you can keep 70% of them, you've done pretty well. Smart has said that. If 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 that's the reality that must be confronted on the guys you bring in out of high school, there's also going to be a certain reality you have to confront about the guys that you bring in out of the transfer portal. They're not all going to work out. You know, it, the kind of scouting you can do on a transfer may be more limited than the kind of uh, scouting you can do on a on a high school guy that you've had you know long term relationship with. You're going to have to take some risks. You have to take some flyers, and sometimes the guy you bring in turns out to be J.R. Reed, and sometimes the guy you bring in turns out to be who's the defensive line they brought in from Notre Dame that I don't think ever hardly ever played. I mean, like, you, like there's just going to be a gamut of, of you know, a, a wide spectrum of achievement for transfer players you bring in. Some are going to be players you're really glad to have. Some are going to be players you forget were even on the roster. And you just sort of roll the dice. You take the good with the bad. So the buoy thing happened. We'll get some headlines within Dog Nation. I don't think the rest of the college football world, you know, the regional media, the SEC media on hand for uh, all of this, I don't think. I don't think they uh, will pay much attention to this whatsoever. Um, uh, Georgia went after a guy. They recruited pretty hard coming out of high school, went to Texas A&M for a year, transferred to Georgia, did not work out. It's obviously a little strange that a guy like that would leave so quickly, but Georgia moves on, and I guess, you know, if Kirby Smart wishes Bowie well with his next chapter, I guess we will do the same thing with all of that there as well. We'll make that around the doghouse here too. I want to do a lot more on Georgia and SEC media days. We're obviously in a little bit of a different type of uh, 
you know, kind of a cadence today on the show just because a lot of this is happening while we're doing it. Let me break this up, though, for one second and remind you about a really fun contest ongoing at dognation.com here right now. We are celebrating our teachers courtesy of our friends at Kroger. And this uh, back to school season really arrived. I mean, you start to <laughs> uh, uh, having dinner the night at a restaurant and my the TV on the restaurant. And I pointed to my kids and said, hey, I got bad news for you all. Uh, the back to school TV commercials have started back again. That's a signal that school is on its way back here. But it's good thing for us because we get a chance to celebrate some outstanding teachers who are a part of our audience. We want to give you a chance to be a part of this there too, courtesy of our friends at Kroger. And what's really fun about this is, is that not only do our teachers who are nominated have a chance to win, the nominator, him or herself, also has a chance to win there as well. Our nominators can win a $50 Kroger gift card, a Dog Nation gift bag as well, which has all kinds of cool stuff, including t-shirt, things like that. So we have gifts for the nominators here that we're going to be announcing, which is really fun. But the actual teachers themselves who are uh, outstanding teachers winners, how about the great collection of gift cards they get a chance to win? $50 to Target and a Home Chef and a Bath and Body Works. And of course, $100 from Kroger there as well. Total value on those gift cards $250. This is an incredible thing. So we got the uh, submission period ongoing right now, and then we're going to announce the winners the week of August 7th through the 11th. So go to dognation.com right now, nominate a great teacher that you know about, great teacher there in your life, in your kid's school, or just somebody, a teacher that you know is doing great things. That teacher could be a really big winner of an incredible collection of gift cards, four different terrific gift cards, and you could also win a prize there, there yourself just for nominating this wonderful teacher. So all the details are available online at dognation.com, and it's very simple right there at the website to click in and make your nomination. So do that today, courtesy of our friends at Kroger. So what has happened thus far in Nashville, Tennessee, where SEC Media Days is ongoing, is that Georgia typically has a little bit of a smaller meeting with a small handful of like the Georgia, you know, like our buddy Mike Griffith and the Georgia sort of media contingent. And the reason why they do this is, is because in the big room, if you ever watch this in the SEC network, like that is, that is not always the most distinguished body. There's a lot of people in there and there's no telling what question you might get. So if you want to know, you know, injury status on this player, the status of a Dion Bowie, you know, some of those things that have kind of been lingering and out there for a little while. If you want to know stuff like that, you're really not going to get a chance to really ask all of those questions in an SEC media days, big auditorium room setting. There's just not enough time. There's, you know, no telling who gets to ask a question. It's, you know, somebody from, you know, whatever, whatever. And you don't get the best information that Georgia fans want. So Georgia always kind enough to sort of do some very UGA-centric questions, like the drill down stuff on injuries, like really, really granular, specific information type questions with the UGA uh, media contingent, you know, prior to the main sort of media day setup. Uh, but eventually we will hear from Kirby Smart on the podium. And I guess one of the things that I'm sort of, you know, curious about here a little bit is, you know, what it is that Smart says, and if there's some sort of like money quote you can kind of pull out of Kirby on this, because after all, it was, you know, a year ago that I thought that Kirby Smart delivered one of the strongest statements not only have I ever heard him deliver, but one of the strongest statements I'd have really heard from any defending national champion. That, as I said before, when we were talking about the stuff that uh, Brian Kelly said, there's a natural tendency to kind of want to be a little bit understated in a media day setting where you kind of want to sort of get in, get out, and just sort of get it over with. I'm sure it's not very fun for the coaches and players have to go through this. It's a long day for them, longer than you might realize. And so there's a temptation to just want to say nothing, get it over with, and move on. But Kirby Smart, you know, 
if he's going to have the big platform like that, the microphones in his face, the cameras in his face, he's going to use that opportunity to sort of say something, to sort of deliver some sort of message. And he really laid the groundwork this time a year ago, almost exactly a year ago, for the mission that became Go for Two in 22. I love what he said then. It's a reminder that he may say something just as interesting today. Let's hear last year and wonder, could this be a preview of maybe more of the same here for this year? This is Kirby Smart. I've done the rounds this morning. I'll bet you at least 50 people have asked me the question. So feel free when we open up for questions to ask me the concern there is for complacency. That does not concern me in the least. Because to be complacent, you have to have done something and achieved something. The men on this team for this season have not done that. They have not. We have 15 players that are now gone to NFL uh, camps or draft picks. They're gone. And we have some returning players, but they're hungry as ever. People have asked the question, how does it feel to be hunted? We will not be hunted at the University of Georgia. I can promise you that. The hunting that we do will be done from us going the other direction. Um, it's not something we're going to sit back and be passive about. So I think that's an incredibly strong statement, and it turned out to be true. And obviously, that became a very big part of Kirby Smart's overall messaging because he said that a lot. I mean, he, if you watch that uh, Them Dogs documentary on uh, SEC Network last night, he kind of alluded to that in one of the comments that he made that got used on that show too. The whole, whole idea of we're going to be the hunters, we're not going to allow ourselves to be hunted. And that was something that Smart said a year ago, and I think it became a really strong theme for Georgia throughout the 2022 season and ultimately, I think, helped be part of the motivation that allowed them to win the SEC championship and the national championship, obviously, there as well. So as I'm recording this, we're still on a Tuesday morning, we'll hear from Kirby Smart at the podium a little bit later on. You kind of wonder, does Smart once again this year make a statement just as forceful? Does he have words that are once again just as strong? Because I believe, once again, if you watch that Them Dogs documentary on SEC Network last night, you saw, saw this. You know, I, I believe that Kirby Smart is fully aware of something we mentioned to begin our show today. There is a moment and an opportunity that exists for Georgia to build on the edge and advantage they have over the rest of college football, to take advantage of their success and leverage that for even more success that's the kind of thing that i think that kirby smart is very well aware of it's the kind of thing i think that he really much understands and so seeing what he does today to kind of cast that vision using the words uh, i'm sure that they'll be carefully chosen by him to really sort of establish that i do think that will be a pretty interesting thing to see so let me just kind of i guess sort of recap reset this and then after that we'll kind of move on here the big news coming out of SEC Media Days here thus far is that Deion Smoke Bowie, kind of confirming some rumors that have been out there, Deion Smoke Bowie uh, no longer with the Georgia team. Kirby Smart saying in a story you can read at dognation.com, there was a mutual decision to part ways here. Uh, there'll be more news that comes out as Georgia sort of makes its rounds throughout the day. Really, they're in Nashville sort of just getting going. That is the news on tap. We'll continue to follow that. Stay close to Dog Nation. I thought last night, Connor Riley, Mike Griffith did a good job of kind of recapping the day on video. I'm sure they'll do more of that here today there as well. Dog Nation all over SEC Media Day. So make sure you follow all of that as Georgia coaches and Georgia coach Kirby Smart make plenty of news there in Nashville. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. 
All right, so we are certainly uh, looking forward to all of that SEC Media Days rolling on. And obviously, for a lot of folks, kind of getting out of summer vacation mode, getting ready to start uh, the upcoming season. But they're, listen, there are also some folks who are still in that kind of vacation mode there as well. I told you yesterday, our buddy John Stinchcomb, he's enjoying a Royal Caribbean cruise vacation right now. I love to think about that. And I love the fact that so many of you have enjoyed your own Royal Caribbean cruise vacations there as well. And I just really appreciate the fact that when you do, a lot of you kind of shout out to me and say, hey, B.A., I'm doing it. I'm taking that Royal Caribbean cruise. I'm really, really glad that you are. And I hope that all of you can make plans to join us for our third Dog Nation cruise coming up in April of 2024. It's going to be the 22nd through the 26th of April. We're going to be leaving out of Port Canaveral, as we always have. That's kind of what I think of as my home port. It's the port closest to me. Uh, You just drive from Atlanta, just past Orlando. You're essentially there at Port Canaveral. We're going to Nassau in the Bahamas. We're going to Perfect Day, Coco Cay. We've done that before. But this year, in April of 2024, the Dog Nation crew is going to be bigger and better than it's ever been before because we're going to be on one of the largest cruise ships ever constructed. I'm talking about Allure of the Seas, one of those Oasis class of ships. That means more specialty restaurants, more bars, more entertainment, more fun to be had. And to kind of match the size and scope of the event, more specially themed Dog Nation events there as well. We're going to be showing you a lot of the stuff uh, via video that we did on our most recent Dog Nation cruise. I was so proud of how that turned out. So proud of the fun we had on board with the hundreds of folks who joined us for our last Dog Nation cruise and really, really excited about the kind of fun still you know, left to be enjoyed here in April of 2024 there as well. So Jessica Slater is a great travel agent. She is the one specially selected by Royal Caribbean to help us plan and you know, make sure it all runs smoothly for our Dog Nation cruise. So check out the website she's put together. It's royaldogs.com. That is royaldogs.com. And you can be a part of the Dog Nation cruise coming up in April of 2024. We hope to see you there. All right, I want to give you a couple of notes here from some of the other stuff that kind of went down at SEC Media Days. You know, both expected to happen today, did happen yesterday. We'll kind of lay the groundwork for what is kind of the unofficial start to the 2023 season i thought that sec commissioner greg sank we lost our music there uh uh there we're back uh uh thought that uh sec commissioner greg bring it down just a little bit if you don't mind uh thought that sec commissioner greg sankey uh had some interesting things to say yesterday kind of confirming that for now the sec is focused on keeping its sec championship game in atlanta there's been some chatter about this because nashville who's hosting media days here this week um building a new stadium there as well they're in content it's gonna have a retractable roof they're gonna be in contention for future final future final fours and things like that and i think there's some hope and thought there in the nashville business community they could also become a player in the future for the sec championship game after all nashville a big part of the sec footprint it's a growing city it's a major tourist destination everything kind of in place there for the idea that it could be you know a part of the sec's future for championship games things like that sankey yesterday though not really mincing words at all about the idea that for now the sec is focused solely on atlanta and the mercedes-benz stadium as a future site for its championship games so a pretty interesting statement from sankey about how clear and unmistakable that was that for now they're only looking at atlanta as a site for the championship game that's probably an advantage for georgia obviously georgia's gotten very comfortable as of late playing at mercedes-benz stadium also interesting and for the most part you know this is a media thing not a fan thing but it was announced by sankey yesterday that sec media days next year are going to be in dallas and that's probably the first example that we have 
of the SEC now just having a larger geographic footprint. You know, one of the things that Sankey likes to brag about is the fact that the SEC's expansion has always been, to use a fancy word here, kind of contiguous, meaning that they take on states that touch other SEC states. When you brought in Missouri, you're bringing in a state that touches Arkansas. When you bring in Texas A&M, you're bringing in a state that touches Louisiana. When you bring in Oklahoma, you're bringing in a state that touches Texas. Austin's obviously only a few miles down the road from College Station. That I think from Sankey's point of view here, whether it matters or not, that the SEC expansion has been a little bit more reasonable and a little bit more measured than maybe the Big Ten sort of, you know, hungry, hungry hippo style of grab this from New Jersey, grab that from L.A., grab this from from Maryland, that the SEC's expansion has been a little bit more dignified, I think, that, uh, that, that, that Sankey might say. I don't think the fans care about this, but I do think you will see this moving forward where it just sort of has to be acknowledged this league is now not quite so southeast anymore you know it's still the sec but i heard this sort of i guess boardroom thing the other day where you know they kind of kicked around the idea that in the future they may just be called the sec sort of like if you're a pro wrestling fan hunter hurst helmsley eventually just became triple h (laughs) the h's didn't stand for anything anymore that uh the sec may one day be just the sec and the the idea of it being the southeastern conference may kind of go by the wayside it'll just be the letters that matter because when you've got norman oklahoma and austin texas and you know uh uh columbia missouri not quite so southeastern anymore so next year media days being in dallas i guess is an example maybe of that uh sankey also talked a little bit about the idea of you know congressional involvement to kind of level the playing field for nil i think it's way too early to tell where any of that's going and you know, it, you know right now it seems like the water's on that kind of stuff as muddy as they ever were with the kind of sort of catches catch can style of nil laws that seem to be in place in uh, the various states there on that i thought it was interesting to see jimbo fisher yesterday the texas a&m coach jimbo if you watched his podium uh thing when he was in front of the larger room there you know to me overall it may have been the single most interesting moment of the day because it was the closest we had to anything combative and i think it was jimbo himself and you know, we we would say that jimbo's got a little bit of a temper right you you'd, you'd sort of say that the jimbo's a little little hot little hot-headed from time to time and he had to know questions about bobby petrino were coming and the working relationship he'd have with bobby petrino he'd have to know those questions were coming in fact if you were you know any kind of pr person sid type person that's of course the number one issue you'd prepare a guy like uh, fisher to talk about and yet when those questions came fisher still sort of struck a little bit of a defensive tone about all of that i thought that was kind of interesting would not fully acknowledge that bobby petrino is there to call the plays he obviously said that petrino is here for a reason but he wouldn't fully articulate what that reason was that petrino is here to fix an offense that was broken with jimbo fisher leading it uh jimbo fisher just did not want to acknowledge that most people with power don't relinquish power voluntarily and this seems to be an example of that that whether it contributes to wins or not the power that jimbo fisher has had over the texas a&m program he is not that excited about letting any of that go the behavior and in, in terms of how he uh, talked about uh, Petrino yesterday, kind of an example of that. Uh, he also kind of openly acknowledged the fact they need to win more games. So this was probably our first moment of it wasn't quite combative. That's the wrong word. But in terms of questions that a coach didn't want to answer, a little bit of pushback to that, just a little bit of spiciness involving Jimbo Fisher in the media yesterday. I thought that was kind of interesting. Now, today, while Georgia is at media days, 
the only other real coach of note, you know, you got Zach Arnett making his media day's debut at Mississippi State. That's obviously a continuing sad story. The death of Mike Leach and yesterday Greg Sankey opened up SEC media days by paying tribute to Leach. Kind of a nice thing to see and a nice thing for Sankey to do. Arnett is there today kind of talk about what's next for the Bulldogs no easy feat Clark Lee probably better than you realize last year for Vanderbilt he'll get very you know very little attention to be spoken of at SEC media days there too but in the shadow of Kirby Smart is Auburn Auburn there the same day that Georgia is and first year coach not first year in the SEC but first year in Auburn Hugh Freeze is there and I don't quite know what to expect from Freeze here I do believe that Freeze will be better trained to answer the questions that maybe Fisher was yesterday, I think that Freeze has probably been told to be on guard for anything. I think that Freeze is also, and you know, this is, I think, probably to his credit, although very few people want to give him credit for anything, and some of that's probably understandably so, but to his credit, I think that Freeze has learned to be pretty contrite. Um, I think that Freeze has sort of learned to kind of take his medicine for some of the bad things he did, some of the bad things he was alleged to have done, uh, some of the weird things he did maybe too, in addition to, to outright bad stuff. And I think the freeze is just sort of content to own that and let the people have their say about him and realize that the only real way he can kind of change his reputation is by what happens on the field here coming up this fall. So I think you've got the potential for fireworks with freeze being back in the SEC. But ultimately, I'm guessing knowing there had to be a moment for Hugh Freeze when he wondered would he ever be back coaching the SEC again. He had to have wondered that. And now that he is, my guess is he is grateful enough for this opportunity that he's not going to let his own words mess any of that up. In other words, given the chance to be forceful and combative the way that kind of a sugar-free version uh, of kind of what you got from Jimbo Fisher yesterday, my guess is Hugh Freeze probably sidestepped some of that, but that's the other somewhat interesting thing happening today uh, at SEC Media Day. So we'll be following that as Georgia kind of rolls on here. And as I said before, don't forget, Dog Nation's kind of got wall-to-wall coverage of this. Connor Riley, Mike Griffith, they are both in Nashville. We'll have video of them. We'll share some of the clips and stuff on the show tomorrow. You can also read every word of this on the brand new, better than ever before, well-refreshed uh, and designed version of dognation.com. Make sure you check that out for all of your UGA at SEC Media Days. Coverage will make that cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. So a little bit different kind of show for us. As I said before, we're kind of in the midst of Georgia Media Days. We knew something would come out. We thought the Bowie thing might be it. It was. And so there you go. There'll be more injury stuff, things like that. Stay close to dognation.com on all of that. Uh, by the way, let's do our golden shoe here. And I'm always appreciative when some of the folks in our audience are kind enough to sort of shout out some of our great sponsors. So uh, George Foster, former Georgia running back, uh, running back, excuse me, offensive lineman, was having some fun with uh, a guy on uh twitter who showed off his uh air conditioning which apparently is not working 98 degrees uh how about that uh that's that's very hot inside a house guy says help george foster says uh, you're gonna stand up and fall right off the bone which is kind of a funny thing to say uh as as you're kind of roasting somebody on the inside of the house there and then georgia on tap shared this with me and said hey this guy's got to call rs andrews stat so i appreciate georgia on tap shouting out a great sponsor of ours rs andrews we'll give golden shoes all the way around for that we'll also let you know gator hater countdown lousy stinking gators 102 days from right now georgia is back in jacksonville beating florida again we know that's going to happen uh, and that's a fun thing to think about our gator hater countdown we'll see you all back here tomorrow dog nation daily presented by engineered solutions of georgia